Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Esther Avant. Esther and I had a great conversation talking about how we can keep things simple, both from a fitness standpoint and from a nutrition standpoint. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Esther, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dive into our conversation all about nutrition and how we can do it easier for ourselves. But before we do that, first and foremost question, who are you? (laughs) So my name is Esther Avant. I am a personal trainer and sports nutritionist, nutrition coach. Um, I'm also a Navy wife and a mom, and I currently live in Northern Germany. My husband is stationed here for a few years and I've been working in the nutrition, fitness, wellness industry since 2006, which makes me feel so old, but basically my entire career, this is what I've been doing. And over the years, it's kind of evolved from kind of being your, your textbook, just pass a a personal training exam to realizing what a big component nutrition was and kind of developing my skill set there. And then diving into kind of the psychology of behavior change and how do I take all this information and present it in such a way that it actually helps facilitate change in someone's life. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. I'm curious, something you said there kind of made me trigger my, my thoughts a different direction for, for the time being that being like, like, I know coming out of PT school, I was kind of like, well, here's your general information and go figure out the rest. And, you know, even in undergrad, I got my personal training certification. It was kind of the same thing. Like, well, here's the general information you go figure out the rest coming out. Like, you got your personal certification degree, you dug into nutrition then on your, on your own. What, like as a personal trainer, what do you feel is lacking from their education or is there something lacking, I guess, is a better way from their education that when they come out that like, they just don't have a good grasp on when it comes to humans and how we function. That's such a great question. I think a lot is lacking. I think, you know, Granted, it was a long time ago that I first took the test, but I remember a lot of information on like legalities, which not that it's not important, but um, it's also not, you know, helping you be a very good trainer. And then a ton of information about program design, exercise selection, like the nitty gritty kind of science of you want to do the compound exercises before the isolation ones and things that, again, it's not unimportant, but I think what's really lacking is the kind of interpersonal skills. And I know there are some governing bodies that do more of a practical exam or there's kind of an in-person component, but I think a lot of personal trainers just kind of get released into some gym setting and they're like, okay, go get, go get some clients. And you're like, well, I can put a program on paper, but how do I talk to these people in a way that isn't incredibly awkward or salesy or, you know, whatever. And then once I actually have the clients, how do I relate to them? in a way that makes sense for them. How do I meet them where they are? How do I recognize that, you know, I started, I was, I was in college and most of the other trainers were about the same, you know, early twenties. And sure. If you have a client who is just like you, they're easy to relate to, but most of your clients are going to be middle-aged. There were a lot of male trainers who are working with women and especially, you know, moms and just total 
differences in their, in their lives. So I think the biggest thing that's lacking is being able to relate to someone to get to know them and to then be able to kind of analyze who does this person need me to be? How do they need me to present myself? Is this a client, the kind of the one-off client who's actually interested in all of the scientific knowledge I have? Or is this the majority who are like, hey, I'm here for 30 minutes or 60 minutes. My kids aren't bothering me. I'm trying to not think about work. Just give me a good workout and you know, help me lose weight or feel better or not be um, in pain. And I think second to that is how can you have an impact on that person in the hours that they're not with you? I think every trainer has experienced, you have these great sessions one, two, three times a week, but the majority of their lives are happening outside the walls of the gym. So how do you present information to them and encourage them to change their behavior, change their thoughts, whatever it is in a way that carries them, them you know, between sessions? The last part is huge and so messed. Like even as my years working in a regular physical therapy clinic and working as a coach and just like observing com- like people in the gym and uh, like overhearing conversations, I think that's a such a part that's missed. Like you, like yes, you can go to the gym an hour a day, but that doesn't counteract all the effects of everything else you're doing in your life the other twenty three hours of your life and very rarely do I hear people having those conversations. Yeah. I think it's such a tough line to toe because of course you don't want to present it in such a way where it's like, well, what we do this hour, like, isn't really that important. Of course it is, but also it's really just kind of the tip of the iceberg. And I'd imagine in a physical therapy setting, it's trying to convey to clients, you know, to, to do their homework between sessions, to do, you know, the stretching, the, the rehab, the mobility, whatever it is. And to recognize, like, you can't just show up here a couple times a week and everything is going to be fixed and that it's going to take some work outside of this time and, um, to not make it feel like you're just kind of dictating, you have to do this, but instead getting their buy-in of like, okay, I want to do this. I see the value in it. And therefore I'm going to be a lot more likely to actually follow through. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of a good segue into the nutrition side of things, which we really wanted to dive into is like the other part that is very much missed when we're in the gyms, like we've all seen those people who they work out every single day. Like I I have this conversation every once in a while. It's like those people who it's like, they show up at the CrossFit gym every day. They're doing the same workouts as everyone else, but like they look the same as they did five years ago. And then these other people like look amazing. And it's like, all right, what's the missing piece there? And I feel a lot of it is, is the nutrition element of it. It's because like you can work out every single day, but unless you do something different with the foods you're putting in your body, the majority of your day, like that hour is not really going to make a difference. And so like, do you feel like those conversations aren't had enough, you know, when it comes to those other things in the day that, that need to be done. Yeah, I do. I think in every active community I've been a part of, whether it's CrossFit or Peloton or obstacle course racing, there's so much conversation around kind of optimizing or like hacking the workout piece. What are the best workouts to, you know, burn the, burn the most calories, the most fat, or, you know, what should I do to increase this specific thing? And 
of course there, you know, there are certainly some ways to go about it that are going to be more productive than others, but there's like this big elephant in the room of like, you're gonna maximize your results much more if you start addressing the nutrition. And I've read some books where they'll kind of talk about the diets of professional athletes and how some of them will go on record saying, oh, I eat, you know, Chick-fil-A every night after games. And, and people use that to kind of justify like, well, diet doesn't matter. And kind of the counter argument is always imagine how much better this incredible athlete could be if they were kind of running in all cylinders, if they saw the value and they made the nutrition a priority, um, whether it's just having more energy for your workouts period, whether it's not, you know, crashing in the middle of an endurance event, whether it's recovering better, they're just nutrition has its hand in so much that I think we, we overlook. And I think we do need to keep kind of nudging people in that direction of like, yeah, if you're doing the workouts, if you're showing up, like that's the, that's the biggest battle there. Why not kind of let that part be easy, show up, do the things, follow your program, and then free up that mental energy for the other stuff. Cause it matters a lot. Yeah. I, I can't say for everyone, but I'm sure a lot of times, like it comes down to people really not knowing what to do and cutting through all the noise. Cause you start looking on read books, you watch documentaries, you start looking on social media, asking people. And it's like, well, I do vegan. I'm keto. I'm paleo. I'm you name the diet, trend, fad, et cetera, out there. And there's people doing it. So there's a lot of noise to cut through and a lot of confusion out there. Um, like how can we, how can we start figuring out like what to actually do when we do have all this confusion and people throwing different ideas at us? That's such a good question. And I think that overwhelm is what keeps so many people stuck. And to that, I think the easiest way to get started is to look at what you are currently doing. There was a post I saw in a Facebook group recently where someone was asking like, what are the habits, the nutrition habits that you kind of credit with helping you, you know, do whatever thing. And there were dozens of responses. And of course, you know, there was kind of the whole plethora that you named, well, intermittent fasting is the only thing that worked, or I stopped doing this, I stopped doing that. And I responded and said, all of this is you know, interesting and might give you some ideas, but in the time it would take you to read through all of these comments, you could sit down and just kind of brain dump all of the changes that you think you should make, or you want to make, or, you know, you, you know, would help you and have a list that's more specific to you. As much as we kind of try to tell ourselves, we don't know what to do. We all have some idea. We all kind of take the, you know, the, I don't know, the dogma out of it, I guess. And at the end of the day, most of us know deep down, whether or not we want to admit it or not, we know that we're probably eating too many hyper palatable processed, you know, junky foods that don't contain many nutrients. We're probably doing a lot of snacking between and after meals that isn't due to actual hunger. It's due to some sort of emotion. We probably know that we're not getting enough fruits and vegetables. There are easy places that we can identify right off the bat. And that's the best place to start. Instead of trying to figure out what's the perfect thing to do. And I can't start until I know what it is. We can just say, like, what's a little bit better. Maybe instead of caffeine and, you know, coffee being my life source, I can alternate some glasses of water in there. That's a step. And a lot of times I think people view it as 
too small or too simple. That like, no, 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 it has to be hard. It has to feel like a sacrifice. That's not going to make any difference. And that's how you get stuck in that kind of perpetual cycle of all or nothing, kind of going balls to the wall, overturning your entire diet only to come to a screeching halt at the first occasion or vacation, or as soon as your event is over or whatever, instead, just really think much smaller. What's one thing that I can do today. And I'm going to keep doing just that thing until it starts to just feel like part of what I do. And then once that's a little bit more routine, what's the next thing that I can tackle. And those small steps alone are what are going to make the biggest difference for you as an individual. Yeah. Those small steps are key. Cause you know, we all know those people who the beginning of the year, they're all like gung ho, making these huge changes or not even the beginning of the year, but it's just like, all right, like had like some traumatic events, like, all right, I need to change. And then they change everything. And then they get so overwhelmed that they fall off and they just go back to whether, where they were. And, and yeah, making those, like those small changes that you let sink in first before you add a new one is so important, I think, to success. Yeah. And I think it's so cool. If you allow yourself the time to take this approach, you can look back in, you know, three months, six months, a year, and just be blown away by how much has changed and how different you are and how different your results are. And you've never felt overwhelmed in the process. And I think that's just the the coolest thing is like the time's going to pass anyway. And you you know, you can take it, it very much to me seems like the tortoise and the hare situation. We have all these people that come to this, like, you know, this, uh, this running start and then the screeching halt and then the running start and the screeching halt over and over again, and very often find themselves essentially where they were a year ago, or you can be, you know, the quote unquote, slow and steady where like, all right, just this one thing, just this one thing, just this one thing. And it adds up. And then you, you're so much more motivated to continue when you realize it doesn't need to be this overwhelming and all consuming thing. It's just, you know, one thing at a time. Yeah. And something, the example you use, I think is perfect because it's, I think it's mentally a much easier for people as far as you're like, I need to drink more or, you know, drinking more water. So I just drink more water. And I think that adding something in is a better viewpoint than taking it out. Cause if you're saying, telling someone's like, all right, you normally drink six cups of coffee. You can only drink two. Instead, tell them like you like increase your water intake from two to six, like you naturally are going to substitute one for the other. Like that's just how it is. You aren't going to eat more vegetables and then also eat all that processed food. Like you're going to get full at a certain point. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's such a good, such a good tip. Like they're flip sides of the same coin, but one feels a lot better than the other. And you're right. It's just kind of the same thing happens naturally, but where your focus is makes a big difference on your willingness to do it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. You started by mentioning as far as, you know, making that list for yourself and really, and in, in kind of going through that and figuring out what to do. So if someone has, you know, makes their list and they, they see, you know, they know where they want to go. They written down maybe bad habits that they have that they need to correct. How do we know where to start on that list? Like what's going to not necessarily be the most effective, but just like, where do we start from there? That's a great question. And I think that's one that can trip people up is, okay, now I have this whole laundry list of of things. Now I'm overwhelmed by that. So (laughs) the way I look at it, there's kind of two 
breaking in points. There's the low hanging fruit, which is like, what's a super simple thing that feels easy. You feel really confident that you can tackle. Maybe it's a glass of water in the morning. Maybe it's a multivitamin, just something that will be very easy to implement and get a win under your belt. Basically just kind of proving to yourself, I can do this thing. And then one win leads to a little bit of momentum. You're like, all right, what's the next small thing? So you're kind of taking the, um, you said the, the low hanging fruit, the simplest things first, that's one approach. And it really appeals to some people. Other people are going to have the reaction of like, okay, well, if I take, if I only do the really easy stuff first, how long is it going to be before that stuff adds up to anything kind of consequential? So those people might be better off going for like the big kahuna, which is of that list. What do you think would be the most impactful or give you the most bang for your buck? If you had to pick one thing that you think is holding you back the most or the biggest challenge, what would that be? So maybe that's something like getting your alcohol consumption under control. Maybe it's addressing your emotional eating, things like that, that might feel a little bit daunting to think about, but you just know if I wasn't doing that thing, or if I was doing this thing instead or doing it differently, that would give me a ton that, you know, that's going to be the biggest step. I'm probably going to see progress from that alone. And it's likely to then have a cascade effect where you're feeling like anything um, besides that is going to feel so much easier. You kind of rip the band in. You're like, all right, well, if I could address that thing, then what can I do? So then you just kind of, you've got the ball rolling down the hill and, um, and then the littler stuff either doesn't matter anymore, or you're just like, okay, yeah, that's easy. So I would break in, in one of those two ways. Okay. And I almost, you know, regardless of which way you go, I almost feel, and maybe this is just my bias, but like once you start making progress with things like say, like going back to that water, you drink more water, all of a sudden you have more energy. Like you feel better. You feel more alert during the day. Like that naturally almost spirals then into like, well, what else can I do to make myself feel even better? And what else can I do? And it almost just becomes this thing where it's, well, I don't want to feel like crap anymore, or I want my performance better, or, you know, I want, I'm trying to hit this PR, like, how can I get that to happen? And it almost just comes this natural spiral of like, what else can I do to achieve X, Y, and goal, X, Y, and Z goals? Exactly. I completely agree. I think a lot of people get stuck in the downward spiral of, you know, I feel like crap. I have low energy. I'm not performing well. And you just need something that's the catalyst to turn the spiral into an upward one where exactly like you said, you've taken a little bit of action. It feels good. You start to see, even for the smallest thing, like you said, water has an impact. And then it's like, okay, yeah, I like this. I hadn't realized how badly I was feeling until I got a glimpse at how much better I could feel now I don't want to lose that. What else can I do? And now you've, instead of trying to make these changes from a place of like disgust or frustration, you're doing it from a, a more positive place. That's more likely to actually stick. Yeah. Just think about the water, um, water one, a uh, girl I train with, she has, she does have six kids. She's a busy mom <laughs> and she's still an awesome athlete. Um, but she told me, she's like, I didn't realize how much, how little water I was drinking partially because her kids would just grab her water bottle and drink off of it. So she's like, Oh, I went through this whole bottle. And then like, Oh, maybe I didn't. <laughs> but once she started increasing her water intake, she told me within a couple of weeks, she's like, I'm not getting as sore as I used to after workouts. Like just those little things, all of a sudden you start noticing these big changes. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think 
on that note, it's, it's important to put yourself in the habit of paying attention to those things. And whether it's just like, um, you know, mentally or whether you're writing stuff down, actually noticing what are those small benefits? What are those changes? Because a lot of times, you know, there's so many variables at play. It can seem kind of random of like, oh, am I not sore because my workouts haven't been as hard or because I started eating this thing instead of that thing. So to be, and that's another argument for changing, you know, one thing at a time is so you yeah. can actually see this is the one variable that's changed, you know, that's within my control and here's what happened. And then you can add another thing and see, is there any benefit and, uh, and kind of go from there. Yeah. And one thing I noticed with myself personally is like, I'll add things in and maybe not, you know, I have my, my nutrition pretty dialed in, but we can always tweak little things to make things better. And so I'll add things in or change things up. I'm like, did that really help? So then I'll take it out after about three months. And all of a sudden, then I'll notice like my decrease in performance or, you know, and so sometimes I think, especially as we start getting things more dialed in where the changes are going to be smaller. I think we might not notice those differences until it's like, all right, let's test it. See what happens. Okay. Let, then I don't think it helped. Let's take it out. And then like, Oh, maybe it did. That's a great point. And I think it's a good reminder to treat things like experiments where there's so much, again, kind of nutritional dogma where it's like, if you're not doing it this way, then you're wrong. Mm -hmm. and you sort of feel like anything you do, you're making a lifelong commitment to. And it just doesn't have to be that way, especially when you have that bigger stuff dialed in. It, it can be kind of fun to experiment with, how do I feel if I do this? Or does this you know, supplement help me do that? And like you said, to give it time to see if it's going to work and some of the stuff you don't notice until you stop. But to just kind of have that experimenter's mindset of like, I don't have, you know, any skin in the game. I am, I'm not, you know, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. I'm just curious. And then just kind of see what you can learn, what stays, what goes. And that's how you kind of continue optimizing year over year, instead of looking in these like really tiny snapshots of like, well, didn't change anything in, you know, today's workout. So it's useless. It's like, well, did you give it a fair shake? <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think it's super important that you, you kind of mentioned it there that when, when it comes to anything with our body, but I think especially nutrition is we are our own experiment where, and where N equals one in any research, essentially, like you can't, because the way your body digests and absorbs and what's happening with your gut health and what's happening inflammation wise, your body is going to respond very differently than the other 10 people around you with anything you do. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> Good reminder in uh, keeping your blinders on. It's so easy to get caught up in comparison, especially when you do something competitive where you are seeing other people's times or their scores, or maybe you see the same people at competitions and feel like, you know, there's somebody you're always chasing. Yeah, that can, you know, that can help to help, you know, it can help you perform to your best, but to also kind of keep an eye on it and make sure that you're not thinking, well, I just need to copy what that person is doing and then I'll have the same success they are. Maybe you can learn a thing or two, but you also need to trust yourself that you're the expert in your body and that uh, there really isn't kind of this, just do this and you'll be you know, top of your game. Yeah. It's so easy, especially when you are at that higher competing at that higher level of watching those other people. And it's like, oh, they're doing this. So that must work. So I'm going to do this or, you know, getting caught up in, like I said earlier, what the pro athletes are doing and everything like, yes, it's important to kind of 
see to get some ideas, but take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. There's actually something I saw in a Facebook group recently. Someone is kind of venting, I guess, that she had been doing CrossFit for like eight years and there was someone else she knew who had been doing it for the same amount of time, who was very competitive, like maybe a games athlete, but you know, an an elite athlete for all intents and purposes. And this person was saying, I'm just so frustrated that I've been doing it for just as long and I'm, you know, nowhere near that good. And I guess just having worked in the industry so long and having been around so many fit people, I just wanted to be like, right, but just kind of doing it is different than eat, sleeping, breathing it. That for, for someone to get to that level, they're not just showing up to a box, you know, a few times a week and doing their best to like hit the RX weight. They are probably totally immersed in every decision she's making is based on, is this going to make me better at my sport? So I think it's important to kind of know where, where you fall and know what your actual goals are. And that a lot of times we want results that we're not really willing to make the sacrifices to achieve. And that's fine. But if you want to find yourself winning these big events, then you need to not be thinking and acting like a just recreational exerciser and more so someone who's, you know, this is my job. Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick break now to talk about Naboso technology. I absolutely love training barefoot for the power it gives me. But when I use Naboso, it really ups my game even more. Whether I am using the Naboso mat or using the Naboso insoles inside my shoes, that feedback it provides me onto my feet really enhance my performance. I would love for you to test out Naboso for yourself. Head over to naboso-technology.com to check out all of their amazing products. And if you use code GETYOURFIX at checkout, you can also save 10%. You can also head over to getyourfixpt.com partners and check out Naboso and all my other great partners. Now let's get back to the conversation. No, that's a great point. You know, when it comes to you know, any goal, like, are you just doing the bare minimum and doing what it takes to kind of make the, make it to that, at that end point, or are you doing the necessary steps in order to achieve whatever your goal is? I think that's one of the biggest sources of frustration is wanting results that we're just not willing to work for and reconciling that disconnect is so important that either way is fine, but something has to change. Do you want the goal to change? Do you want your effort to change? Do you want to change, change the timeline, but you can't just do the bare minimum, like you said, and get a plus results. That's just not, not how it works. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I love asking people or like having those conversations with people. Um, and, and I just had, or I saw a comment on one of my posts earlier today that just made me think of this. It's like, well, they know they have pain or they have whatever issue going on and they think they know what, what they need to fix it, which they might, they might not, but then it's like, they aren't doing anything. <laughs> it's like, well, if you know what to do, like, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> Even that's if it's so not the right thing, like, why are you not doing something? Right. Yeah. No, I run into that all the time. And I think that's one of the, one of the most useless thoughts you can have is like, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it because then that leads you to, to blaming your lack of willpower, your lack of discipline, your lack of motivation. 
and trying to source those things when really you need to figure out why you're not doing them. And a lot of times it boils down to, I don't actually think that that thing is going to work. Because if you did, if you really believed that if I do my homework, I do my rehab exercises, whatever, then I'm going to be pain-free, you would be jumping at the chance to do it. I actually very recently had that exact experience where one of my good friends is a, um, a PhD candidate in rehabilitation sciences. And I was having some chronic back pain. So she wrote me a program and I trust her. I believe in the science. I, as much as I didn't love like doing the actual exercises, I was so excited at the thought of not being in pain that I didn't miss a day. And now I don't have any pain. So I think a lot of times when there's that lack of follow-through, it's really kind of a lack of buy-in. And then the question becomes, well, how do I help someone see that it actually is going to work? Because you, you need to put in the reps in order to see the evidence that is working. You can't have proof that it's going to work before you do it. So it's kind of that, you know, chicken and the egg situation. Um, so I think kind of analyzing, well, what are your reservations? And like, really, what do you have to lose? If, yeah. uh, if it means, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day to do this stuff and potentially be feeling better, why not? Worst case, you yeah. put in the, you know, the month or the three months or whatever, and you don't feel any better, then you can stop. But at least you gave it a fair shake. It's funny. I've, like, I have those conversations almost daily with people. It's like, well, I went to therapy, but I wasn't, I didn't really do my exercises. Like they're boring or I just got lazy or, you know, whatever excuse. And like, I've learned at this point, I'm like, I thought I'd tell them, like, honestly, I said, people are motivated to do the things that are are working for them. I said, most likely you weren't doing them because you either felt they weren't going to work or they weren't working. So you just stopped. Like if they were working, you want to continue doing them. Exactly. <laughs> like that simple. <laughs> exactly. So let's, um, kind of going on a deeper level. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people want to, you know, we all want, I shouldn't say we all, a lot of people in this world now want the quick fix on things like just give me that magic pill, that supplement, that, that thing. So rather than eating healthy, it's like, well, let's just take my protein and my BCAs and my, you name it supplement that's in your pantry and not saying that there's not a time and place for those because there, there definitely is at what point, like when, in, this might not be the best question, but at what point is this like, okay, my nutrition's dialed in it's time to kind of play around with this and see if this stuff works rather than just being like, I'm just using this because it's easier. That's such a good question. I think number one, you are consistently following your training program as intended, which means you're not sneaking in extra training on your rest days. You're not doing you know, max effort on recovery days, you're actually following what your trainer has created for you and you're doing it consistently. There's not weeks where you're skipping sessions and things like that. That's pretty dialed in. Recovery wise, you are sleeping well, whatever kind of that sweet spot is for you. And probably the six to eight hours a night range consistently, you have a good wind down routine. That's like a top priority in kind of your lifestyle. Um, you're doing the best you can to manage your stress and think about your uncontrollable stressors in a way that you see them as like a challenge that you are prepared for and can step up to rather than, you know, kind of this victim to them. And then nutritionally, I would say you can pretty easily, you have to either have experience tracking your intake in recent history, or you're currently doing it. So you know that you are consistently taking in a 
reasonable range of calories for your activity level. And you don't kind of gloss over the thought of like, Oh, nope, don't want, don't want to do that too much effort. There is some effort involved. The, the big rocks is, as I call them in our coaching, those are the things you need to worry about most. So if you don't want to hone in on your calories, your protein intake, your carbs around your training sessions and things like that, then I don't think supplementing is really going to you know, you don't really have any business doing that. Like you said, it's more of a, I want the easy route. I heard that, you know, uh, nitrous oxide can, you know, have a benefit. So I want to try that. Your calories are dialed in your protein. You, you know, what an ideal intake is for you, right? Say protein and carbs for, for most athletes, you can pretty accurately estimate your portions and you know how to put together your appropriately balanced meals consistently and your intake doesn't fluctuate a ton day to day. You're not, you know, except I guess potentially based on training, but you don't have weekdays where you're like eating as little as possible. And then weekends where it's a total blowout, you're not drinking a ton of alcohol. You've got kind of those, those big things in place when you're consistently doing those things and they don't feel super consuming that they're, they're just kind of part of your, your day-to-day is it's important to you to eat for your, you know, to maximize your training. Then I would say, if you want to experiment with supplementing, you would actually be able to see whether or not there's a benefit. I actually, I'd say probably three or four months ago, finally started supplementing with creatine, despite knowing all the research and kind of knowing for years, it's something that should be on my radar. I finally started. And because the rest of my lifestyle and nutrition factors are so dialed in. I was able to tell within a couple of weeks that it was helping a ton. But a lot of times, like we were talking about before, you have so many moving targets that you add one more variable into the mix. And you're just like, I don't know what is affecting what. So you really need to have most things nailed down so that then you can introduce one thing at a time and say, is this helping or not? Yeah. Um, it's funny. The creatine was one of them that I was, I, I started using it before I really started like paying attention to what my body was doing with training, but it's kind of was that like, I was to a point that most of my nutrition was dialed in. And so my coach was like, maybe like start introducing it. And so I didn't really notice any changes. And then like during COVID was a big experimental year for me. Cause it's like, what's working, what's not. So I took it out for a while. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm not making the strength gains that I normally do. Like this is different. So I was like, all right, it's going back in. Yeah. It's really cool. I think that's such an, I guess, like aspirational thing to be actually, actually be able to take yourself to kind of another level because you have that foundation in place and you can actually see the difference. Um, yeah, that was, it was really cool for me too, that I had, you know, the first couple of weeks where I was like, everything feels easy. I'm increasing my weights across the board. I'm faster. I'm just everything. And it took me a minute to realize like, oh, that's what had changed, but it's, it's so cool to be able to isolate. This is actually worth doing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you did mention in, in that previous um, part that you were talking about with calorie intake. Um, and I know it's different, obviously it's going to be different for everyone based on so many factors, but I feel like a lot of athletes are under fuel, just not realizing how much we actually need to get in both from a macronutrient and a micronutrient level. Um, so any thoughts that you can give on like, just how to make sure we are taking enough fuel for our bodies and, and not freaking out at this, like, 
I need like 3000 calories a day. Like, what are you talking about? Type thing. Like, yeah. So I think two things, one is using some sort of TDEE calculator, your total daily energy expenditure calculator. The one I prefer is tdecalculator.net and just kind of getting a ballpark. Obviously, like you said, nothing is set in stone. Nothing is like the, the right number for, for everyone. There's not even a single right number for anyone. All we're doing is kind of estimating based on someone, your age, height, weight, activity level. This is what we would expect to be about, you know, maintenance, maintenance calories or a surplus or a deficit, depending on your goals. Um, so just kind of find that number and have it in your, in the back of your head. Don't necessarily make any changes based on it yet, but then just start documenting your normal day-to-day. What happens a lot of the time is, you know, there's just, there's so much research on how unaware we are of how much we're eating. So sometimes you'll have, you know, I think it's probably more prevalent in women where you might see this number for an active woman who's thinking like, oh my gosh, I could never eat that much. And then maybe you start tracking and you say, oh, you know what, when I'm actually being honest, when I start putting in the bites and the tastes of this and that here and there, when I put in the snacks, when I put in, you know, kind of the mindless eating, I'm not as far from that as I thought I was. Um, or maybe you see, I've been drastically under fueling myself. No wonder my workouts have felt so hard. I think just collecting the data in the first place is the best thing you can do. Just develop some awareness. And then from there, remember that you don't need to get to, you know, that target overnight, but to start making those small changes start, you know, maybe start prioritizing your carbs pre and post workout and seeing, Oh, you know what? I have a lot more energy to get through this. And like we've been talking about, then you kind of have that buy-in of like, okay, this is not in fact going to harm me or make things worse. It's actually helping me. So then it's like, all right, what, you know, what else can I add? Do I want to start doing casein before bed or should I just be eating protein more consistently throughout the day? Um, I think just developing that awareness of what you're doing, how that compares to what we expect to be kind of more optimal and then working on getting from A to B. Yeah. And I, something else that's standing out to me as, as you say that, or that comes to mind is, um, especially, I see it more in females just because I feel like females have a lot more of the mental weight issues over, you know, from all the magazines that we read in high school, um, (laughs) that like we get injured and all of a sudden we can't work out or we're not working out as much. So it's like, we decrease our intake a lot, not realizing like our bodies need actually more calories in order to heal. And so we're actually aren't we aren't going to heal as fast or recover as fast when we do lower intake that much. Yeah, that's a great point. I think a lot of women have been conditioned to think in terms of how little can I get away with eating? Mm -hmm. And if we just flip that on its head and say, how much can I get away with eating? I, you know, obviously we don't want to be packing on the pounds if you're already at healthy weight, but how do I increase what's coming in to maximize my strength, my energy, my power, all those things, my, my mood is kind of my life in general and kind of get out of the scarcity mindset that less is better. Cause it just, it just isn't even yeah. when weight loss is the goal, you still don't want to be undershooting your target. You want to, again, be eating as much as you can while still seeing the desired result. 
I love that how much am I eating concept because I eat a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing it right then. <laughs> Half the time, I'm like, crap, I still need like 400 calories before I go to bed. Dang it. <laughs> awesome. Um, we'll start closing it out. Is there anything else that you feel that we haven't talked about that you feel is really important to bring up? Something we had kind of emailed about a little bit was the idea of learning to trust yourself. And I think this is so broadly applicable, whether it's a certain obstacle in a race, whether it's attempting a PR, whether it's just dialing in your nutrition or your lifestyle factors, I think being willing to kind of wipe your past slate clean and not hold against yourself any, you know, setbacks you've had, any mistakes you've made, any of that, you just give yourself the opportunity to move forward from it. And you put yourself in a position where you can sort of earn back your self-trust and say, okay, I, I know that last time I hit these monkey bars, I just mentally gave up and I didn't even try this time. I'm going to go into it, reminding myself that I'm strong. I'm prepared for this. I'm capable. I can do this visualizing myself, completing it. And then just trying, um, whether it's, you've tried to, you know, track your food before and have given up and you want to recommit to that. There are just so many opportunities for us to rebuild kind of that reputation with ourselves and to earn back that trust and learn that, you know, we have our own backs and that just has so many benefits across the board. Yeah. That trust factor is key. And I think for this overthinker here, um, <laughs> I think it's so much, like, it's such a hard thing to do. Cause like, um, especially, you know, you mentioned like hitting those obstacles that you failed in the past or trying to hit new PRs. Like I know me personally, as I hit, as, as I do something that I'm not the strongest at one of my weak links, I overthink. And then I remember all those misses I had, not the one that, not the, the successes that went really, really well last training session. Um, so yeah, it's so hard to to do that, especially on those weaknesses that we have. It really is. And I, I certainly have my own where you just kind of get into that belief of, nope, this is not something I can do. This is not a weight I can do. This is my body's not capable of it. And, you know, I think like with anything, like you're talking about experimenting, you know, with, with different changes is just giving it a shot, just reminding yourself like, okay, I don't expect this to change drastically overnight, but why don't I practice more of those thoughts of self-belief? What do I have to lose really? Mm -hmm. And odds are you do it consistently enough. You see that it actually helps and then you're, you're sold. Yeah, definitely. Well, Esther, this has been an awesome conversation. Um, if someone has any other questions for you, or just wants to find out more about what you're about, where can they find you? Yeah, this is so awesome. Thank you for having me. My website is estheravant.com and I'm also on Instagram, uh, Esther at, uh, nope, esther.avant and Facebook under my full name as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I think a lot, of, I think the listeners will get a lot out of this. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some great information from it. If you are looking for more great information, I encourage you to go check out getyourfixpt.com. There you can gain access to blog posts, other podcast interviews, my online programs, and the Race Prep Masterclass, which is for you if you are a chronically injured runner with foot and ankle issues. Once again, that is all at getyourfixpt.com. 
and I hope you join us next week for another great episode.